This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. You know, it's what we didn't do the other night. You know, you're playing a good game, you go down, and, and the other night we started making a bunch of mistakes and just our problems compounded and, and we couldn't come back. You know, this can be a cruel game. I thought we were the better team in the first period and come out of that down one. You know, we had to believe in what we were doing and that we would have a chance to come back if we were playing the same way, and we did. And that was the big talk in between the first and the second was keep playing the same way and we'll be rewarded, and they were. You know, I often feel like sometimes this show, Power Lunch, we can give you some valid points and reasons as to what to look for in a particular game. And Dave Mishkin, of course, my co-host, I'm Greg Linnelli, Steve Versnick, our producer as well. We talked about the Lightning struggles a little bit against Carolina and some of the better teams the last couple of days. But we also, Dave, talked about, you know, sometimes, and Brian Engblom reiterated this on the last call last night, you just need your best players to kind of will you to a win when you're struggling just a bit. And, you know, maybe that's too simplistic, but for me... And we're going to get into this game and what does it mean for the Lightning and talking about the back-to-backs coming up here Wednesday and Thursday against Carolina. But I felt like Tampa Bay's best players, Dave, produced at a level that made a big difference last night. And we always talk about the big three, but let's throw in the big four because that's Point, Stammer, Hedman, and Vasilevsky. Those guys were outstanding last night, as were others. But those four guys in particular, I I thought really willed this team to a gutsy win against a very good team when they needed it the most. And uh, John Cooper's right, the first period, I think the first 10 minutes, to be accurate, the Lightning were the best team for sure. And then after Carolina scored that goal, they pushed back big time, as you and Chief talked about. But I thought big picture last night, a lot of good things came from it, but I, I was most proud of the fact that the Lightning's big guns didn't allow this little skid to be extended. If you look at the score sheet at the end of the night, you see Stamp goes with a goal and an assist. You see Hedman with a goal and an assist. You see Andre Pallott with the game-winning goal and an assist, and Braden Point had an assist. And Andre Vasilevsky, we, we'll talk about him in a second yeah, and what yeah. he did in that third period, but he had a really strong game too. So you're right that if you're going to label those players, you didn't mention Palat, but but he scored the game-winning goal, and I thought he had a strong game also. If you are going to include those five players in that list, then you can just look at the score sheet and see how productive they were. But they were not the only ones. I thought, I'm going to mention two guys who I thought were notable in a really positive way. One was Blake Coleman, who was playing on the line with Andre Pallott and Braden Point. He had six shots. So remember we were talking about Coleman was the guy who did the media on the off day on Sunday and said, you know, I had a shot and I didn't shoot. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he kind of said, I'm kicking myself for it. 
he didn't pass up any shots last night. <laughs> he had six shots, and, and he won some key puck battles. In fact, right before Palat scored what was the game-winning goal, Coleman won a puck battle from Sebastian Ajo. They both had their stick on the puck, kind of to the side of the Carolina net. Ajo is a guy who's really strong in the puck. For a guy, I mean, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he he has a really strong stick, and Coleman just outmuscled him. And, and came up with the puck. That was a big play because if Ajo comes up with it, the puck's probably out of the zone and Palat doesn't get a chance to score. So Coleman was one. And I was super impressed with Alex Barry boulet I thought for a guy making his NHL debut in a situation where it's not even like he had been that close to making the team in the past couple of years, unlike Volkov, let's say. Barry Boulay's best performance at any point that at least I have seen him, and this is my opinion, in a preseason game or a scrimmage, his best performance was last night in an actual NHL regular season game. I thought he was creative offensively. I thought he was responsible defensively. I think he made all the right plays that he had to make. You could see his skill level for sure. The 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 area where he needed to improve, and this isn't me saying this, it's me hearing this from people who who follow him closely, is that his skating needed to improve if he was going to have any kind of uh, an impact at the NHL level. And he said that he worked on it a lot during the pause. I heard his post game. He said the last nine months, you know, I've been working on my skating, and he did not look like skating was going to hold him back last night so whether he had a lot of nerves a little nerves he said after warm-ups or the first shift he was fine he looked fine I I thought it was a really impressive performance for for a guy making his NHL debut and keep in mind he replaced Jamel Smith in the lineup and Smith had been doing some good work for the Dave I was gonna they didn't have they didn't have a drop-off at all I I was gonna say I mean you know not not to interrupt you I'll let you get back to doing no no no, but the Jamel Smith thing uh, to me Maybe this speaks to the depth the Lightning have for sure, but Jamel Smith did nothing wrong to come out of the lineup. I mean, it was simply getting Barboulet an opportunity and someone who was playing pretty well had to sit. The other thing, too, is, you know, when we say that, Dave, realistically, it, it is kind of the the Smiths, the Stevens. I don't even know if Joseph is in that category anymore. I mean, there's like a couple of guys that are going to come out. You're not going to bench Maroon. I mean, as much as we consider and say, you know, uh, well, you take the guy who's not playing well. Well, the reality is if Pat Maroon was struggling, I don't think John Cooper is going to bench him. Right. And so there's a couple of guys that are probably going to have to just come in and out of the lineup regardless of how well they play. And unfortunately, I think for Jamel Smith's case, he is in that category. Now, he's doing all he can to show the coaching staff that he's worthy of being in that lineup every night, but he just doesn't have the stability that some of the other players have to stay in the lineup. So when we start talking about this revolving door, if that's what you want to call it, you know, Ross Colton, if he gets an opportunity here in the next couple of games, Bar Boulay and Smith are are probably going to be the guys that are going to be in that rotation to get some playing time on that fourth line. Yeah, and if the Lightning go with 11 and 7, at some point I think, I'm guessing we're going to see that again, or at the very least, Cal Foote is going to be coming in. They don't want him sitting for too long. Then somebody else is going to have to come out. But, you know, John Cooper was not happy with what he got from his team in the game on Saturday. Now, it wasn't, say, as as 
as lopsided as maybe that first game in Sunrise, where the Lightning's compete level wasn't there. Their compete level was there on Saturday. I think that they had another level, and they reached that level last night. But they were they were off a little bit. They were a little out of sync, whether it was the, the swagger component that we talked about on our show yesterday, or Carolina just defended really well, or the Lightning's line combinations were a little bit stale, whatever, whatever the situation, whatever the combination of these different elements. Yeah. As a head coach, what can you do? Well, you can make a lineup change, and he did that. <laughs> he put in Barry Boulay for Jamel Smith. Even though I think you're right, I don't think Smith necessarily was at the top of the list of guys who you know, needed a, a kick in the rear end. I, I thought he gave them a, a pretty good game on Saturday. But if you're going to make a lineup change, to your point, who are you taking out? And so he wanted to do that. And then the other thing he wanted to do was switch up the lines, which he yeah. did actually in the game on Saturday in the third period. But he definitely shuffled the lines up for last night's game. And it can do a couple of things. It doesn't always work. But when it does work, I think, first of all, it rejuvenates players because they – they have to pay attention to now a little bit more who is on their line. Maybe that's not the best way of putting it. But instead of just, you know, for Braden Point, I got Stamkos and Palat, and here we go again. You know, oh, now I got Blake Coleman on my line. So then what's he doing? You know, it's almost like you zero in a little bit more. No doubt. Uh, and maybe maybe I'm, I'm putting it really inartfully because it's not like the players aren't dialed in when they are actually playing in a game. But I think that it does get your attention – when you have a new line mate, whether you want to try and accommodate him or he's doing different things that that keep you on your toes. Maybe that's the better way of putting it. But it also challenges the opposition. And Chief and I talked about this on the broadcast last night, that a group of three, if they play together for a while, can settle into habits. And those habits can be really helpful like sometimes you make plays off those habits because you're so familiar with one another but if it does become predictable then the other team can seize on those tendencies and it helps them defend when you when you mix up the lines now you're adding an element of unpredictability for the other team how do they how do they handle the point line now that Blake Coleman is on that line and what he brings to it I mentioned the the puck battle he had with Aho I mean that could have happened at any point against any line, but it happened with Point and Palat also out on the ice. So I think that that was what was at, at John Cooper's disposal, and he made use of both. He switched the lineup, and he shuffled the lines, and and both moves really worked out for him. And, David, I know you touched on this. Isn't, isn't that so Blake Coleman last night, the flexibility that he gives that team because he can go up in a top six – he can play in a bottom six. This gives John Cooper, I, I think, a nice little security blanket when things aren't going well. Yeah, you, you move a guy up, Blake Coleman, who you know was on a third line, as you mentioned, developing some good chemistry. But sometimes that chemistry can become a little stale. You move him up, and he did not look out of place playing, uh, in, in, I don't want to say in a bigger role, but with different line mates. And as you guys said on the broadcast, Dave, he really made it a point to shoot the puck. And I got to be honest yeah. with you, when you are struggling a bit as a team, it is pretty simple. 
you know, a, a lot of the cliches out there, I, I know they're cliches and, and people don't like hearing them, but they're they're said for a reason. You know, when you're in a slump like that, whether you're a shooter in basketball, whether you're a, a shooter in hockey, you got to keep shooting the puck. You got to yeah. shoot when you have an opportunity. It's simple. And I thought Blake Coleman, as you guys pointed out in the broadcast, Dave, made that a point. And I, I just felt it got him involved in the game a bit more, and he was noticeable. And I thought that was also a, a, a positive sign last night for this team, trying to solve Carolina a bit to fill the net. And it wasn't just that him specifically and the Lightning as a team were just flipping pucks to the net. We had this conversation yesterday about teams that like to funnel pucks to the net. I think the Lightning were shooting with a real purpose to score. Yeah. And I don't remember all of Coleman's six shots, but I remember a, a handful of them. There was one in the first period. Barry Boulay, I think, got the puck in the corner. It was it was a weird line change situation where he was out there with Coleman and maybe Tyler Johnson. So Coleman had come on for Kalorn, I guess, and he got the puck from Barry Boulay, Coleman did, at mm -hmm. the left circle. And Johnson's open on the other side of the ice. So he could have tried to make that pass, but there was a defenseman there. So instead he shot it, and Reimer had to make a pretty good glove save on him. Yeah. Then there was one in the third period where he's steamrolling down the the right wing on his offside, and he gets that cross-ice pass. I think Palat gave it to him. Reimer made a really tough blocker save on him. And at that point, it was 3-2. That would have made it 4-2. And the one, the one that – I hate to say that I love this the most, but uh, – <laughs> it makes me laugh when I think about it. Do you love it the most, Dave? Come on. I think me. I love this one the most. <laughs> so I don't know if you remember the play. It was in the third period. The puck is in the low slot. Coleman is there with a Carolina defender. The Carolina defender, like, falls down. And Coleman is almost like he's he's stepping over, uh, like, a hole in the dirt. <laughs> he, like, steps <laughs> over him. Yeah. Like, he just sees the puck there, right? Right. So the player who has fallen is between him and the puck. He somehow gets over the player, never gives up on the puck, gets the puck, shoots it, and Reimer makes the save. And like He just never gave up on that play. But it's a play you don't see very often where, hey, I'm battling for, for a puck. My opponent fell down. I'm just going to step over him and, and get to that puck and shoot it on the net. I thought he had a terrific game uh, and and really provided the lightning, not just shooting the puck, but shooting the puck with a purpose and forcing tough saves. And that can't always happen, but I think you're right. He he passed up every opportunity he had to pass up a shot. Yeah. He, he basically said, no, I'm shooting. I'm shooting. I'm shooting. And uh, I think it it helped his game. For sure, because well, and he Dave, seemed really engaged. You're right, and big picture here too. And you know, like I sometimes take that that big picture viewpoint of a win like this. There were a lot of good things that happened, but I think a couple of things you take from that game as well. One, you get two points in regulation. You and I had talked about the Lightning struggles the last uh, few games of losing games, but also not picking up points during that time. And those two point losses uh, or two point you know wins. Those are huge, and, and yeah. obviously every game is magnified more because they're divisional games. I thought that was big. And then we got about 10 minutes, five minutes here to discuss 
Andre Vasilevsky, and we'll do that on the other side of Joe Smith, who's going to be coming up from The Athletic in just a bit here. Andre Vasilevsky, that is the type of performance that was all-star worthy, that is MVP worthy. Because in the third period, as you guys were calling the game, you and Chief, they were pushing. And yep. they were getting grade-A scoring chances. Um, I don't want to say left and right, but more than I think John Cooper wanted. And this is what a, an elite goaltender, this is the difference in my opinion, between a team like Tampa Bay and Carolina. Carolina's goaltenders played very well. You can make that case the last three games. All different goaltenders for Carolina, Dave. I'm not sure they have that type of performance in them that Vassy did last night. It's the reason why I think at some point he will get an MVP award because he's that dominant. But it's nice to have Vasilevsky in some ways in your back pocket, Dave, to secure two points. Well, let's get into it. I know we have Joe coming up in about, what, five minutes or so. So I'll, I'll try and be quick. Here's how I broke down the game. The Lightning absolutely dominated the first 10 to 11 minutes. And that was a time when Reimer played really well. I and mean, he denied probably five or six scoring chances on the part of the Lightning. But that was exactly how the Lightning wanted to play when we talked about playing with pace, playing a North game, getting shots to the net. Carolina hardly had any puck possession up until the point that they got that power play. And they ended up scoring five seconds after that that penalty ended. That was a big swing. And John Cooper mentioned it in the clip that Steve ran at the start of the show. Because if we remember on Saturday, when the Lightning fell behind one nothing, they didn't completely become unraveled. But as the game progressed, they started trying to, to sacrifice defense for offense, basically. And, and we, we, we spelled that out on yesterday's show. That was extremely frustrating because the Lightning easily could have been up 2-3-0. Instead, they're down one nothing, and Carolina surged a little bit at the end of the first period. I think they had the last five shots in the period, starting with the goal for Faust. So the first period shots, or maybe the final six shots, they added one late. The final shots were 11-7, but at one point it was 11-1 Lightning, and then Faust scored on their second shot. But for the Lightning to not lose track of, of how they needed to play, I thought was big. And then the second period was more even. I thought after Stamkos scored to tie it, Carolina had a pretty good push. But then after Hedman scored to give the Lightning a 2-1 lead, the Lightning had a push, and they could have gone up 3-1. And Carolina got that late power play on a tough call against Hedman. They tie it at 2, which which leads us to the third period. The Lightning did a lot of good things throughout the night from the red line in to the Carolina net, and that includes the third period. I mentioned the Coleman chances they had in the third. Palat's goal certainly was a really good offensive zone shift. But the third period was the Lightning's worst in terms of dealing with the Carolina pressure. And that is why Vasilevsky had to play such a big role in getting this game across the finish line. Carolina amped up its intensity. They were they were super dangerous from the red line into the lightning net. Not only in terms of their forechecking pressure, but how they were able to break down the lightning and generate phenomenal looks. Phenomenal. I mean, you think about the, the chances they had. Jake Bean opened the slot. Trocek a tip from the slot. The chance for Svechnikov, he might have been Carolina's most dangerous player in the third period. He was all over the place. He's in been the third he's period. been really good against the Lightning this year. Remember like that puck that game. 
that went off Chernak's stick. The Lightning yeah. were, were handcuffed yeah. a couple of times. They couldn't make a play to get out of their own end, and some of that was Carolina's pressure. But McDonough had it, got disrupted, couldn't get it out. It bounced to Chernak. He kind of just tapped it. He put it right on Svechnikov's stick, right in the slot. Vasilevsky like, yeah. blocks it with his glove. Incredible save. Yeah. And then some long-range shots that you're like, all right, well, they're shots from the point. No, not just shots from the point. There's traffic around him. He has to find the puck. He's making the saves, and he's kicking them out to areas where there's no chance for a rebound. Vasilevsky was so good. He was dazzling in the third period. But if we're going to critique the Lightning, I don't think that they wanted to have him be dazzling. No. You know what I mean? Sure. So that's something to keep an eye on as we move into the the final two games in this four-game set. When Carolina amped it up, the Lightning had trouble. But some of that has to do with where we are in the game. They were down by a goal. There's 10 minutes left in the third period. They're making a push, but they showed again when they are rolling how much of a handful they are for the opposition. Yes. Dave, I'm going to reiterate it again and again. I think they're the one team that makes me uncomfortable playing the Lightning. I'm going to I'm going to keep using that word. I think they are the one team if you look top to bottom and we'll talk to Joe about this coming on the other side of the break. They are the one team that just you don't feel comfortable playing them. Doesn't mean they won't win, meaning the Lightning. I'm just saying it's it's going to be a dogfight more so than I than any other team in that division. We'll continue to watch that story progressed, and of course, these two teams back at it again tomorrow. That'll be a 5 o'clock game. Don't forget that. 5 o'clock. Mark that on your calendars. All right. Joe Smith is up next from The Athletic. We'll talk to him about the win last night. What did it mean for the Lightning moving forward? Are we going to see the same lineup on Wednesday that we saw last night? And do you give Vasilevsky back-to-back starts? I think that's an interesting question. Not because I came up with it, but because <laughs> I want to debate. No, give yourself credit. <laughs> We'll talk I'm going to gonna answer that right I now. Want you no, to. no, I think okay. Henny gets one of the games. All right, so that's my. Opinion. Well, we'll get into that a little bit more uh, in depth on the other side of Joe as well. Joe Smith from the Athletic is up next. It is Power Lunch. He is Dave Mishkin. I am Greg Linelli. Steve Versnick producing. Back after this on Lightning Power Play. This is Power Lunch exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Get those questions coming in. Keep them coming in. We're going to get to those in just a little bit here. Greg Linelli along with Dave Mishkin, Steve Versnick producing. Joining us right now from The Athletic, our good friend, does a great job writing there. A number of great articles he's written over the last uh, couple of weeks for sure. That would be Joe Smith. Joe, great to be with you, bud. Always appreciate the time. And, boy, to say that was a big win would be an understatement considering what Carolina had done the previous two games to the Lightning and where the Lightning were in the standings. I agree. I mean, obviously, it's only, what, game 16, um, and they're not like it's a do-or-die situation. They've played much bigger stakes, as we saw last fall. But, you know, considering the circumstances, you lose three of four, you're in kind of that uh, dog days of the season, and you're playing a team that I think, guys, might be one of the toughest challenges to get out of the Central Division or that the first couple rounds of the playoffs. So for them to kind of come back, win this game on the road, and not just that they – won it but that how they did it you know they they fell behind after a really good first period they could have easily went back and chasing the game and, and got out of their element like they did in the previous one but they kind of held firm and and found a way in a, a tight game on the road to to beat a really good team john cooper actually talked about that post game 
And it was an interesting contrast between what happened in the game on Saturday when the Lightning fell behind and did not respond the way that he wanted. You almost wonder sometimes, do you feel, Joe, that not that a coach wants to lose a game or have his team go through struggles, but when you have a chance to reinforce an important teaching moment like Coop did and the coaching staff did after Saturday's game, and then almost get a chance to, to execute it two nights later. We're down again. Let's see how we respond. We did much better. Do you think having a, a pothole where you do mess up can actually be beneficial to a team in in its long-term arc in a way? I think it can. Uh, I think Cooper talked about that last week after that uh, um, Florida series where he called it kind of a wake-up call, and that led to – them having three pretty hard practices uh, last week and reinforcing some of the habits that they had gotten out of, you know, talk about them springing a leak, so to speak, and other things. And you said that, you know, these sometimes you always want to win every game, right? Every game's important and you want to have that feeling of winning. But there are some times where you have those mini lessons that kind of reinforce things. And they did, as a coaching staff, address the group after the game on, on Saturday and just said, hey, because he saw the guys that were kind of frustrated they lost three of four and these guys players these days need those explanations sometimes um and Lalon mentioned the other day we went to him and said hey you know carolina played a 60 minute committed game they played discipline they played the way you're supposed to play you know for a full game and, and how you win those kind of style games like this is what you can do this is what you've done for a million times before this is what you have to do and i, I thought we didn't get to watch practice on sunday of course but you could tell that the guys took the message and took it personally and, and obviously delivered. And that's something that could be a really good teaching moment for going forward because they'll have to play these kind of games a lot uh, down the stretch. Joe, sometimes we talked about this at the beginning of the show. You need your best players just to be your best players. I think we saw that in the Stanley Cup Finals as well when Braden Point was amazing and so was Victor Hedman and Kucherov. Sometimes the other team just doesn't have an answer for the talent level you can throw out there. I felt like in many ways that was the case last night. You mentioned Carolina making Tampa Bay feel uncomfortable and being maybe a, a tough opponent. I agree with you, but sometimes if it's a pretty even game, it's nice to have those game breakers and especially Vasilevsky in that, isn't it? Oh, no question. I mean, it's nice to have Steven Samkos's world-class shot there uh, to get your first goal against Carolina in eight periods, right? That absolutely uh, helps them kind of have, uh, you know, deep breath on the bench and kind of feel a little bit taller and, you know, had been obviously making a big play and, you know, plot was terrific. Um, but, you know, you're, you're right. I think, you know, especially when these guys get, you know, Kucherov back and, and Sorelli back, those are two really big parts of their team, right? And they're really big play drivers and help drive some offense. And so, um, you know, even without those guys to have the kind of star part that they have. And um, I mentioned this in my story this morning. I think if you had to ask me to pick MVP for this first part of the season for the Lightning, I think part of me would think of Vasilevsky because of all the, seem like the million little saves that he's made um, that come up big, like with that third period last night where it could have easily gone either way and it was a one-goal game and they give up a goal and all of a sudden they're going to overtime and on the road and they could lose that game. So I think him just being able to shut it down the way he did um, has them feeling a lot better about themselves today than they would have otherwise. I want to ask you about Alex Barry Boulay. Were you surprised that he came in, not that he didn't deserve a chance, but that he came in for Jamel Smith, who had been playing pretty well since he came into the lineup? And then I know that he got rave reviews, but what did you think of his debut? I, I thought he played well. Um, you know, I think I wasn't surprised that he played at some point. I didn't know if he would play after a you know, a loss like that on the road against his team is really fast. Um, 
but we saw him last week in practice. If you guys were there too, you know, he was practicing the second power play unit. He gives him another look there. Uh, very creative player. Um, I think, you know, he did a lot of smart, uh, subtle plays last night, some passes, a breakout pass, I think, behind his own net to, to Cloran or Bray. He made a great pass to Pilat that was going to be a scoring chance without a penalty. Uh, he didn't make much mistakes in his own zone. So I, th- I thought he did really well for his first game, and then the coaches gave, played him 12 minutes and three in the power play. Says a lot about their trust. Um, you know, as far as, you know, are you surprised that he played over Jamal Smith? I don't think Jamal Smith deserved to come out, um, quite frankly, but no one really did. I mean, Volkov's come off a pretty good game, too. So I think this will be interesting down the stretch for me to watch. Um, you have a lot of young players who are hungry and fighting for, for, for spots in the lineup, and you'll have maybe Barboulet play for Volkov or vice versa, and, um, you know, pushing to get spots there. It'll be really good for a team that's like a veteran uh, experienced group to have that kind of youth and hunger and a little bit of a different dynamic on a team that's won it already. Um, you need to have some new new blood, so to speak. I think those guys are be really valuable, even if they don't play a huge role. Um, but there'll be it's no more better baptism by fire for a young player than playing in these kind of playoff style games uh, in the shortened season. Joe Smith joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Joe, what do you do with the goaltending situation coming up Wednesday and Thursday? I know you want to get McElhaney an opportunity to start, and in many ways I think that's what's going to happen. But I think you can make a case playing Vassy back-to-back as well. I think you can make a case, no question. I mean, what would that be, for, uh, you know, four starts in six days? Um, so uh, kind of like the bubble in some ways. But I think you probably have to – I think we'll likely have McElhaney play one of those games, um, and you have to play him just because the last game wasn't a great one for him, but it's probably a product, too, of not playing very much. You need to get a chance to him to – because you need to have him to play, need him to play, number of games on the stretch here, and those points are going to matter just as much as this game's going to matter. But when you consider Carolina, where you are in the standings, there's a four-point game. Uh, you know, let's say it's five o'clock game on on Wednesday, and then seven on on, on Thursday. If it's a light load for Vasilevsky, let's say on Wednesday, and they it's not quite as high leverage moments as they would have normally, not making 35 saves to get them to overtime, you could consider it. But I think they've also gone with their plan that they've done for years or this this year try to get their back up at least one start a week so um i think it'll be interesting to see how it goes on wednesday and you can make a case to play in both games but i think with the way that they've done things that um they obviously want to make sure that that mcclenny is a part of it knowing that at least until the playoffs they'll be he'll be playing some games we have talked on our show quite a bit joe over the last few weeks about how good florida and carolina are this year and and the challenge the lightning face when they when they play these teams how impressed have you been with those two teams seeing them now pretty regularly over the last week and a half to two weeks i i have been um and i think we you go into the year you, you think that dallas have been the top you know contender in the division since obviously you, you played them in the cup final and i thought columbus would be better um a little bit too but and carolina was always been good but i think florida was more of a surprise than carolina i think carolina was always going to be a good team no matter how good. And uh, I think the Panthers with Quenville, I think they really kind of bought into the way he wants to, to do things. And they've gotten, I think, what, you know, 12 or so new players from last year's roster, the playoffs that, in the bubble. Um, so they made it quite a makeover. And, and you see guys that are really, um, you know, Hornquist is playing well. Obviously, Verhage's getting a chance in a, in a top-line role. Um, they're getting the better goaltending. Uh, I think Dreiger was like 6-1, and one, I think, at this point. Um, so I think, you know, they're better than I thought they would be. Um, of course, the true measuring stick is in a playoff setting and, and getting that far. But I think, you know, that they're making more of a challenge. I mean, they're obviously in first place now than 
I had initially thought, but those are the two teams until we see Dallas, I guess, which is kind of struggling this weekend um, are the ones that I think have been obviously, you know, play pose most of a challenge to the lightning. When you take a look at the back end, Joe, who do you think are their best six or even top seven? And do you feel like at some point Cal foot is going to be a guy that's playing the majority of the time on the back end? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're riding their top guys. I mean, you look at the minutes and usage, um, you know, they're playing Sergachev more than they have before on the right side with McDonough and Hedman, and so they're riding them, him and McDonough and Hedman, quite a bit, and I think Trenac's at 18 or so minutes per game. Um, you know, Luke Shen played six and a half minutes last night, and he played six and a half minutes a few games ago, and um, he's that sixth person, whoever they are, isn't really playing that much. And I know that game last night with the speed game isn't quite up to – you know, the style of which Luke Shen plays, and he still had six hits, I think, in six minutes. But um, I think they're just bringing along Calfoot slowly, and I think he has to show that he's able to do it. It's a tough league to kind of um, learn that position and play that position well, especially when you go into high leverage moments in the playoffs. But I think you have to kind of see what you have with them. Um, I think you have to, I mentioned this today, this today's story too, by looking at the head of the trade deadline, and we know there's no cap space at, at all or very little, but. Uh, if there's one area I think you want to look at to improve this Lightning team, especially if you get you know Sorelli and Kucherov back down the, the stretch here, is is maybe looking at a right shot uh, got, uh, defenseman. You know you lose Bogosian and, and Shattenkirk, and they played some quality minutes in the playoffs, and um, they don't not quite as deep on the right side. Um, so I think that that's something that you got to find out internally what you have and what you're comfortable with. And if you're comfortable playing your top four uh, heavy heavy minutes, like you saw the Blackhawks play against the Lightning. Back in 15, that's fine. Um, but And maybe play Sergeyev on the right side in a, in a top four setting. Um, but if you're not, then that's something you probably have to look at a little bit. Last one for me, Joe. Oh, we were actually asking you off air, but uh, what is a typical game night like for you, both in terms of how you watch the game and then when you write? Because as a beat writer, it's, it's pretty formulaic, right? You're producing content after a game but you have more flexibility with the athletic so what is a typical game night like for you yeah it's 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 interesting i know it's been a i think a feeling out process even the last couple of years of you know you're so used to i'm in newspaper mode and you're you're a, you've been that guy for a while and you have the notebook and you have a game store and your deadlines like right after the at the end of the game or even close to the end of the game you know um so you're so used to writing a lot during the game uh, bits and pieces or intermission. And so this has kind of been freeing to be able to watch the game, be able to rewind the tape, rewind the, the stream and go back and watch a replay and not have to work on writing during the game. Um, there are times that I do, like last night, I stay up till like one or something like that and just um, poke around a video and, and write a story or analysis or observations off a of game. But it's not every one that I that I have to or really want to do that, especially in this this year where they have multiple games against multiple in same team so yeah my 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 work night is is different whether i'm at emily or i'm at home watching it is able to watch the game um a little more you know directly as opposed to being writing and having a deadline that's right pushing me up against the 10 15 or 10 30 time where now i can kind of just watch the game do the interviews kind of look back and then and then write the story or just put the little thoughts in my head for the story i want to write for a couple days from now or make that into a bigger feature or analysis or um, see if I can collaborate with one of my other other writers and our staff. So it's, it's a feel-out process. I'm still trying to get a feel for how, how much readers want every game a story or how much they want to have after every, every couple of games. And, and that's still something that I'm working on. But it's at least been more fun, I guess, to be able to watch the game directly and not have to worry about writing something immediately during it. And so you don't want to miss anything. 
Joe, last question on my end, and perhaps we can have you on again to talk about it a little bit more in depth. But I was really interested in the article you wrote about just the revenue and where Tampa Bay and the league is financially. And I'm curious, what was your big takeaway from that article when you sat down with some Lightning executives regarding the the future of the franchise financially, where they are right now and you know, I'm sure everybody waiting for fans to get into the stands so they can get that additional revenue. What did you take away from that article? How how is the Lightning organization financially compared to other teams? Did you get a sense? Of yeah, that I mean they're, the they're doing still doing pretty well. I I, I, I and my point in the whole you know at least the top of it was pointing out how they're one of the most probably well-run organizations in hockey. They have a model owner, they have a sellout streak, and still their margins, at least on the hockey side are still pretty small, at least comparatively to big business, right? I mean, you know, Vinny can make his money other parts of his businesses, but for hockey-wise, um, the best-case scenario, you're making $5 million in profit off the hockey club. So that was just kind of – it's just more interesting to me is the league is um, – they don't have the big TV deal, right? They don't have the billion-dollar TV deal. They don't have a lot of the other, you know, major sponsorship kind of situations. So you, they're more heavily relying on ticket revenue, um, which the Lightning, for example, would be $60 million for ticket revenue of their maybe 150, 45 million that they make, you know, plus 15 million in their suites. So it just shows during the pandemic, it's those kind of teams are especially hurt because, you know, they're so based upon people being in the building and, and paying for food and beverage and, and paying for suites. Uh, the sponsorships, not the big number you might think of at $30 million, where I think LeBron James probably has, you know, $30 million in, in endorsements over the course of a year. So, uh, just interesting to see if you can peel back the curtain and see what kind of what the finances are like for NHL hockey clubs, not just the Lightning. And I thought it was interesting to me. The most interesting point was just the margins in number two, just how ticket-based um, the revenue is and, and why they hope that there will be you know, fans in the stands soon, and, and they hope a full building um, starting in the fall. Joe, outstanding stuff as always, bud. We appreciate it, and we'll see you at the rink on Wednesday. Sounds Thanks, great, guys. Joe. Thanks for having me on. Talk to you then. All right, that is Joe Smith from The Athletic. We always appreciate Joe coming on and breaking it down. And, you know, that's probably a topic day for another day that we can get into, you know, maybe a little bit above our pay grades. We like to talk numbers, but not that much. But I always find it uh, interesting and fascinating when you start talking about the revenues and how these teams are surviving. I saw an article uh, the other day that uh, the Penguins keep petitioning to the governor's office in Pennsylvania about getting fans in the stands, and they keep getting denied. <laughs> so you can only imagine, <laughs> I think, franchises ready to get those fans in there in, in some capacity. I think Carolina, right? Does Carolina have – they have access to – fans are, I think, allowed in the building. I, I believe I saw that yesterday on the TV monitor. I think they were one of three teams right now allowing that, but – you know, regardless, I think it's, I didn't. I didn't think there were any fans no? in there. I'm gonna see if I can find. Yeah, them. I don't. I but think it's, Ar- it's Arizona, <laughs> Florida, and Dallas. I think are the ones that have fans. Gotcha, gotcha. And actually, with Arizona and Florida, it doesn't matter because nobody goes anyways. <laughs> but you know, that's for another topic. But I, I, I think the longer this goes on, and as I said before, I think the, the more we know about the vaccines and people feeling comfortable to go to games. I think people just want to go and do something that's a little bit different than sitting at home and constantly, you know, being, I don't want to say worried, but live your life a bit. And I think it'll be, honestly, I think it'll be healthy once that's able to occur for a lot of people that enjoy sports, because as we've said so many times, Dave, it's it's a great outlet to escape sometimes the real world and 
it just seems like the real world is hovering over us uh, 24-7, and sometimes that's not healthy. But we'll see how that that all plays out. Um, I, I want to get back a bit, unless there was anything there, Dave, you wanted to hit on that Joe had said. I, I wanted to get back into the Vassy discussion a little bit with the back-to-backs because uh, you yes. had answered the question before I do not believe he's getting both. Now, maybe I, I they lost last night. Yeah. Maybe the dynamic changes a little bit, but I, I don't believe that they're going to play him. Well, go ahead. Finish your thought, and then no, I'll no, tell I, you No, no, I don't disagree. Let's put it this way. Let me be very clear. I don't disagree with you that I, I, I don't think he's going to get the back-to-back starts Wednesday and Thursday. But if he does play both of those games, I'm not going to be shocked. And in many ways, I wouldn't disagree with John Cooper for this reason. We have talked about Vassy and his conditioning level. I think that's all fair game. I think a lot of goaltenders are supremely conditioned at this point. I think where I would side on Vassy playing both games, probably twofold, just the importance of these two games coming up against Carolina. And they are. I mean, we've had the coaching staff, players talk about what these games mean. I think they're a little bit more important than what you typically see this time of year playing games. And I also think, too, you know, I, they've had – some time where they haven't been playing a lot of games. They've had some practice time. I don't think that's as stressful on the body as playing in-game, both physically and probably more importantly, Dave, mentally. So I think if there was ever a case to be made to have Vassy play both games, now would be the time. Let me preface it by saying again, I don't think that's going to happen. But I, let's put it that I wouldn't be opposed to John Cooper going that route at all. So when the Lightning finished this four-game set against Carolina, and Joe mentioned this, I'm just repeating it, but it's it's a fact, four games in six nights. That's a pretty heavy schedule. Carolina will be finishing five games in seven nights. And it's not like this jumped up on Carolina. I mean, we had the, the game switch Saturday where the Hurricanes were playing the Hawks and then they were playing the Lightning. But whether it was the Hawks or the Lightning – Carolina knew that they were playing five games in seven nights. Once that game was rescheduled to essentially, what, Wednesday, right? Because <laughs> there was the, – the game last night originally was to be played at Amelie Arena. They moved that to Raleigh, and then they bumped that home game back to Wednesday, which is why that's now a back-to-back. But since that move was made, which was tied to the COVID outbreak – that the Hurricanes had early in the season. So they've known for a while that they have five games in seven nights. That's going to make for a pretty interesting game on Thursday. How much are these teams going to have left in the tank? Because these have not been cruise-controlled type of games, right? They have been high-octane games. And if we expect the same on Wednesday, what will Thursday's game look like? I just think that's a lot of hockey for one goalie to play. Carolina clearly is not going to be riding one guy. They've already used both of their goalies, Nadelkovic and Reimer, and I would expect I would expect those two to split the next two games as well. But but my my belief is, and I may be proven wrong, but I, I think Backlaney will get one of the two games. And if it's like the Nashville back-to-back where he played the first game, we may see him as soon as tomorrow that 5 o'clock game at Emily Arena. Yeah, and let's face it. You know, it's his former team. He may be a, a little juiced up to get going and, and have a good effort. And, you know, honestly, it it's it's an argument against the point I just made where I, I wouldn't mind seeing Vassy play back-to-back games. I mean, if you want McElhaney to start feeling sharp, Dave, you got to play him. 
<laughs> right. You know, this notion that's uh, the other day, the last game where he played Florida and he gave up a, a few goals more so than you'd like. And people were like, well, do you, should they have benched him and, and started Vasilevsky that third period against the Panthers? And I, I think your response and my response was, I understand the, the knee-jerk, knee-jerk reaction, and I don't think we're having that conversation if we weren't playing in a shorter season and these games, every point was valuable. I think you and I have established that. But I think the flip side to that is, well, if you want him to work through some of these issues he may have, mainly being rust, even if he gives up seven goals, if he gives up two goals, if he gives up eight goals, uh, I'm exaggerating a bit, you want him to play a, a full game because how many opportunities is Curtis McElhaney going to get, Dave, this year playing a full game? I, it's probably the not back as to many. backs. Yeah, back-to-backs. And even then, the fact that you and I are having this discussion, I'm, I'm curious to see if the coaching staff would be quietly, you know, probably speaks to being a backup this year is probably more difficult than other years, especially when points are at a premium. Remember, we had Rob Zettler on. Was it Friday? Friday? Yeah. In the show? Yeah, before the, before the set began. Before they left, because they left on Saturday morning. And you asked him that question. He basically said, I think with, with the way the schedule changes have been coming, we're going to see more of McElhinney. I think he was referring to the higher frequency of games and more back-to-backs. So if he said it, I'm going with what he said and until or unless we are shown otherwise. And really the only way I think there could be an otherwise is if the Lightning get into really choppy waters as far as their standings position, which they are not at this point. Let me just say that up front. We can look at the standings because people might see the Lightning, well, they're in fourth place or whatever, and uh, what's going on here? They are they are in a good spot in terms of their standings position, but I think that they don't need to worry about the Vasilevsky workload unless they absolutely need to lean on him and ride him just to get into the playoffs. So I'm going to open up the standings right here. I know I should have these committed to memory, which I don't. All right, with their win last night, the Lightning actually moved into third place, but they are only one point up on the Blackhawks and three points up on Columbus. However, points percentage, the Lightning have a huge advantage on those other two teams because they've played fewer games, three fewer games than both Chicago and Columbus. So, Steve, I'm going to bring you in here because Greg just let me know that he had a power issue. Yes, so, uh, that's the, love, the beauty of live radio, radio and yes, remote and, broadcasting. <laughs> yes, but the thing to keep in mind for the Lightning, really what matters is get in the playoffs. Get in the playoffs. Make sure that there are at least four teams below you in the standings. And so in a way, as important as these games are against Carolina, and they are important, the Lightning do not want to give up ground to any team And if you lose ground to, let's say, Florida and Carolina, and it becomes harder to catch them, that means that you are closer to being out of the playoffs, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're in the third slot. You're closer to the fifth slot where you would be out. But I would almost make the argument that as important as these next two games against Carolina are, and they are, coming up after that, Dallas, which is kind of lurking in the weeds Mm -hmm. here because they play the fewest games, like, the Lightning want to make sure they have good separation between themselves and the Stars. 
Mm-hmm. And, and in a way, that is almost, if we're just looking at getting the playoffs, that is in a way more important than the result against Carolina, which is not discounting the result against Carolina. It's really important for the Lightning to do well. They would like Carolina behind them in the standings. But if at the end of the day, it's just about getting the playoffs, make sure you're keeping the teams below you down and and create more separation between yourself and them. And if you can catch the teams ahead of you, great. But it's not imperative for the Lightning whether they finish first second, third, or even fourth as long as they're in, in my opinion, anyway. I completely agree, but I also you know, know that in today we're talking about Carolina playing five games in seven days. We know the Lightning still have some games to make up that haven't been scheduled yet from Dallas. Yes. The Lightning may see some five games in seven days stretch coming up. So when John Cooper and the coaching staff and the players always talk about munching points, the more points you can get early in the season – the better it becomes later because we don't know what scheduling is going to happen down the road. We don't know if you're going to have a COVID issue down the road and you're going to have players missing. So getting the points now, I, mean, I agree with you that it, if the Lightning finish fourth in the division, fine, just get in the playoffs. It doesn't matter. Uh, last year, what, they were second in the division. I think they what finished second in the in the the round robin for seeding, yes. but you know that wasn't what was important. It was just it was playing the right way and getting and getting in the playoffs and playing your game, which we know when the Lightning do that, much like they did for much of last night, they're going to be fine. And, and you know you give them a, a good a chance as any other team in the playoffs if they're going to play their game. So it's just a matter of getting in. But I do think it's important to get those points as quick as possible because you just don't know what the future is going to hold with scheduling from weather with Dallas, but COVID and everything else. You just don't know what the rest of the season is going to look like. So get it done quick. Yeah. Do you have an expectation as to when we're going to hear about more rescheduling? Cause if you look at the game by game for the lightning on the actual game notes, they only have 54 games listed right now because they mm-hmm. have not yet rescheduled those two road games in Dallas that got taken off the schedule due to the weather. I would have power Im- situation. I, I would imagine you're going to start seeing news this week on the rescheduling. Now, one thing we've noticed the league kind of tends to do is they like to announce a lot of it at once if they can. You know, they don't want to just go, okay, this game's made up now and then next day this game's made. Up. They want to go, here's a whole bunch of changes. And we've seen those releases where it's 20 games being changed or rescheduled or moved around, whatever. And I, I think you're going to, I think you'll see something this week at least because they've got to start making some of them up sooner than later. Because I, I don't think they want to extend the season much beyond what they've already have, which the Lightning already have a, a game scheduled for May 10th, which was two days past when the regular season was supposed to end. Well, why don't we take a break, see if we can get Greg back and we'll uh, wrap up the show. You're listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. The perfect social distancing distraction for your lunch hour. This is Power Lunch, only on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Honey, I need a new hamster. <laughs> it 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 got electrocuted, guys. I I you know look that that happens and it does happen. You know, I had to feed him, and uh, you it, do not running. you do not work <laughs> in a facility like Emily Arena with backup generators and. Oh man, do you have I backup generators? Uh, not yet. I don't know, but that was that was wild. But you we know, persevere look, here on Power Lunch. You though. powered through, Dave, on Power Lunch. You powered through, but I was able to uh, 
get the gist of the end of your conversation with Steve. For well, let me ask you. I mean, what yeah, do you ahead. think? I, I think the games against Carolina are really important, certainly. Yeah. And the Lightning did not want to lose all four, as we talked about. That would have been a, a devastating blow to their chances to catch Carolina. And they want to finish as high as they can in the standings. But at the end of the day, it's about getting in the playoffs. And I don't think the Lightning really care if they're first, second, third, or fourth. I mean, they've shown that they can win on the road in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, they were in the bubble, and so they wore the white uniforms for some and the blue uniforms for others. But even in past years, they've won on the road. So as it relates to how much you need to play or want to play Vasilevsky, you've got this, this set with Dallas coming up. For sure. I mean, we know there is a Saturday home game coming up against the Dallas Stars. Eventually, they're going to play scheduled <laughs> Monday. Right, but that's coming up right after the Carolina games. And I would make the argument that because Dallas actually is one of the teams with games in hand on every other team in the division, that the Lightning want to make sure that they keep Dallas below them to ensure that, like, they're in third right now. They want to move to second. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll move to first. But in third, yeah. make sure those five teams below you stay below you. Sure. And in a way, to me, that's that's as imperative, if not more imperative, yeah. than catching Florida or Carolina. I think it's a good point. I think the Florida-Carolina thing is, I don't want to say it's more ego. That's probably a poor choice. But it's you know the cream of the crop. You want to gauge where you are. It's a measuring stick. You know, There's a little bit more pride maybe involved in those games, particularly when Florida and Carolina have had your number a bit this season. I agree with you, though. I mean, I think the way you get into playoffs, Dave, we have talked about this on Power Lunch a number of times, is to beat the teams below you in the standings. I yeah. mean, you don't have to apologize for beating up on the bottom feeders. Well, and if you That's, play Vassy both games, so let's let's yeah. run out this ground ball. If you do play Vassy both games Wednesday and Thursday, that's four and six, and you're going to play him presumably against Dallas, right? Because <laughs> we just talked about – the fact you want to make sure you stay above Dallas, that's now five and eight. And that's a lot of hockey. I, I just think, I think without belaboring the point, Mac is sure. going to get one of these games. I, would I don't know which that. one, but I think he's going to get one. We had this question. Uh, Al is weighing in. He wants to know, um, does ABB deserve another game? Does Shen, who only played 640 last night, slot in, or do we see foot rotate in or does Cooper go eleven and seven? So a lot, a lot to throw there, but I think it's yeah. a good question. I do think Barboule will get another opportunity to play. Let me answer that question, then Dave, you can get in on it. I do think Foot will be in. And now, you know how they do that with the lineup. I, I don't know, but he's right about Shen. Didn't play a ton, and I thought at times looked a little exposed against a team like that, who has a lot of speed. But that's not a secret. You and I, I think, have discussed that. So I. I wouldn't be surprised if they start to give a few more starts at foot's way at the expense of Shen. Because I think Shen's a guy who doesn't need a ton of games to stay sharp, and we saw what he did last year in the playoffs when called upon. But that's kind of my view on, on the lineup there heading into tomorrow night's game. I think it is a possibility that Cal Foot comes in for Shen and they keep the 12-6 and six with Bari Boulay in there. Look, I thought Jamel Smith deserved, what was it, a, a fourth game? How many games in a row did he play? Three, right? Yes. Yeah. 
I, I thought he deserved a fourth game based on how he had played. He didn't get that fourth game. I think that may have been, as we talked about earlier, a function of how the team played as a whole on Saturday, and, and Coop was looking to to change the dynamic of the lineup and the lines, which he did. But certainly, Barry Boulay, I mean, I spent like five minutes talking about how, how well he played at the start of the show. Get him out it's, of there. <laughs> it's my opinion that he deserved another game for sure. Right. So I would be surprised, I think, if we see any changes to the lineup in terms of the forward group. But Luke did only play six minutes and 40 seconds. So it is a back-to-back. It's four and six. And I'm, I'm moving off the goaltending now, but I am talking about the rest of the team. If Luke Shen is going to be in, I think that it would probably be the the coach's wish that he he plays more because it is a back to back. Now you could go eleven and seven if you're deciding that you want to split time between Foot and Shen, but then you're taking out a forward, and I'm not sure that they want to do that. So I guess we're going to have to tune in tomorrow at at five o'clock. Yeah, and five and o'clock. see what the lineup looks like. But uh, there's no question, Shen, Shen played less last night, and I think that he was having some difficulty at times with the Carolina pace. And he wasn't the only one. I mean, I think I said in the third period, they were bringing so much pressure that every Lightning player was struggling coming out of the defensive zone. But... You know, you also want to. It may be a thing, too, where Foot needs to come in. He hasn't played in a while. Well, I think not only that, too, but if there's ever going to be a time where you throw in Bjorgman for a game, it might be in a back to back situation like this. Just to see, and maybe it does come at the expense of Kyle Foot for at least, just to get the guy in. I mean, I, I don't want to make this about Bjorgman. You know, uh, he's really important that we got to get him in, and, um, you know, he's going to be the missing piece of this team. But, you know, look, if, if the thought process is everybody yeah. that's on that taxi squad at some point, yep. we'd like to see them get into a game, you know, look. Maybe maybe against Carolina in the second game of the back-to-back. Maybe you play foot tomorrow night. Maybe it's Bjorgman on Thursday, and you kind of mix a match a bit. And, uh, look, I, I don't think Jan Ruta is etched in stone when it comes to the top six. Although it, I thought it, it he played well last night. I, I thought he, it was one of his better games. But he's been a little up and down. And, you know, if, if that means sacrificing one of his starts – to get Bjorgman in, but also keeping foot in the lineup. Maybe you do that for a game just to say, look, we, we need you to see some game action here, and maybe that's the time to do it. But I'm not the coach, and we're going to find out here in a couple of games for sure. Tomorrow, again, 5 o'clock, pregame's at 4.30, but Brian Burns and Kaylee Chelios will be on the airwaves at 4. And, of course, you can catch Dave Michigan and I on uh, at noon tomorrow, and we'll be breaking down this game and talking about anything else that we want to talk about and my power which will yes. be great. Hopefully it's still working by then. Dave, Shazam. great job as always. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> All right, Steve Erstick, thank you as always. And to the audience out there, you guys are the best. We appreciate you listening. Tell your friends, too, about Power Lunch and Lightning Power Play. I'm Greg Linelli. We'll be with you again tomorrow starting at noon on Lightning Power Play.